Okay, so Douglas, you know that five second warning I said I was going to give you? Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yeah, you didn't get the five second warning uh, because I realized we had to switch to this screen before I could adjust the audio sound things on this screen. So here we are live. Take it from here, Douglas. Welcome to the first show. <laughs> Welcome to the frayed ends of sanity. This is Douglas Coleman. You might remember me from the Douglas Coleman show. I am pleased to be here with Christopher. You go by Christopher or Chris? I'm just Chris. Okay. Too many letters. With Chris Hulbert from Gratwick Productions. And Chris and I are the co-hosts of this new show that we're going to be trying out live, which is something with I have. With our JPEG guest. With our JPEG guest. Unfortunately, our guest <laughs> is just going to be a black box that doesn't move with an image. And it's due to some technical issues and probably due to the fact that he is at least 6,000 miles away from us and it's two o'clock in the morning. But it is Peter Abrams, once again, who has been on the Douglas Coleman show a world record number of times as we were just discussing. So welcome, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. I would like to pretend it is technical difficulties preventing my face from being on the show, when in reality it is my tired self, barely awake. However, I couldn't miss the chance of being the first guest on this new show. I thought <laughs> I've got to do it, so here we are. Yeah, Peter, I heard the uh, London internet doesn't work after midnight. Is that kind of the issue we're, we're dealing with here? Yeah, they're, they're slowly creeping into the Orwellian sort of world of restricting all of our freedoms, first by COVID lockdown rules and soon by the internet, which we're all dependent on in the modern age. So we'll see where it goes from here. It's already starting. They're canceling the internet after midnight. No internet after midnight, no fun after 7pm on a weekday. It's crazy times, man. I did see that on the news where I'm not sure if it's still in... Uh in play now but there was a time that they canceled the pub or they shut the pub after 10 p.m or something like that because they thought covid spread more COVID only comes out at night they shut like that. they shut the british pub of which us englishmen are all renowned for loving to attend at 10 p.m because they said after that covid might spread more and then they took it <laughs> a step further and just shut it all together so actually it got worse. <laughs> but liquor stores are essential businesses. Yep. And as of as of Monday this week, uh, you can go into those liquor stores, buy whatever alcohol you want, and hang out outside with however many people you want. But uh, you get, actual... Wait, you guys can drink in the street? We are fully allowed, without any brown paper bags, to walk wow. around drinking whatever liquor we so feel we are desired to do so. In parks and other outdoor areas. It's like no what? good when the Brits got more freedoms than we do. You know things are up backwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering what... we fought a war against them for our freedom. Go I was figure. about to say, that, that was your guys' whole MO. That's what you was after. Yeah. Enough time goes by. You live long enough to either die the hero or you, become, you live long enough to become the villain. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we've overstayed our welcome. <laughs> Douglas, you want to you want to set you want you want to set the stage here for us on, on on tonight's topic before we get off and running? Yeah, um, this show is going to be a little bit different than my show, where we feature a guest, but we don't have a particular topic. 
With this show, we will always have a topic that we're going to run with on the show as sort of the focus, centerpiece, anchor, whatever you want to call it. And tonight's topic is cancel culture, which I think is something that we could spend a month talking about with all of the cancel culture issues and things that have happened in the last, uh, I think it's just gotten worse over the last four years. I think our former president Trump really threw gasoline on the cancel culture fire that was starting <laughs> to brew. I, I think he's he's the first one to put any tension against the the theory of freedom of speech, and actually have to make people decide like where the line is. And uh, I I want to I want to set Peter up here with with a twofold question before we we dive into this. You brought Trump out way faster than I expected, and, and we could go all over the place with that. So Peter, I'll, what's kind of your like we, Douglas and I were talking before the show started, we got kind of three generations here, uh, the Gen X, the, no offense, the boomer generation, and then kind of the millennial, zillennial uh, guideline that you fall under, Peter. What, what, what's your read of the room, uh, internationally speaking, on all of cancel culture and, and how this is going? I mean, is, is, this, is this what you want? Do you like digital lynch mobs? Where, where's your stance for us? Okay, I feel digital lynch mobs are probably not the solution to the overarching problems we face as a society, uh, which was a large reason why I thought this would be a great topic to talk about on your show. Uh, I think, to give a very brief answer, as Douglas quite correctly said on something we could probably talk for many, many hours on end about, um, if somebody does something totally wrong, for sure don't support them. But at the same time, we are all human. We all make mistakes. And to hold people accountable to standards we probably don't hold ourselves to seems a little bit out of line of how we should be acting as individuals and as an online community in the wider areas. To give a very, very short answer. Peter, you, you hit something on that I, that I, I want to make sure got brought up in this point. What do you do with people after they're canceled? Like, okay, you're canceled. You're done. We're done with you. We're throwing humans out like the trash now. What, yep. Like, do you think that's going to change them? Do you think that's going to make them any less bitter and resentful? Like, what are they supposed to do now that they've just been canceled and everywhere they go, people now basically spit on them? No, fuck them. Throw them in the trash. That's it. You had your chance. You screwed it up. You're done. Um, no, I mean, come on. I I feel it's it's the problem with the ca the problem with cancel culture is that there's no remit, there's no there's no parameter of which we're judging it by. It's very subjective, and it seems to change by the day or celebrity or individual which we're judging it upon. I was having I had this discussion after I knew I was coming on this show with some friends and, and we argued, you know, in the modern age, you could probably cancel any celebrity that you wanted to cancel if you if you dive deep enough or made a strong enough case. I think everybody's done something which you could probably say, right, that's it, we shouldn't support Especially you. Especially when the line keeps moving. You know, you know we'll, we'll scoop you up. You look back on any right. celebrities tweet history of 10 years ago and there's probably something which in the modern age doesn't quite fit what's now classed as acceptable or whatnot which you could hold them accountable to i feel it's it's an impossible standard to maintain and it's something which is ever changing 
and something which needs constant addressing as opposed to what's sort of currently happening, which is this conglomeration of people coming together and saying, right, we don't like you anymore and now you're not allowed to have a career and that's it. And there's no room for debate. There's no room for discussion. We've decided and the majority have the power. So shut up, sit the fuck down and out you go. And I don't think that's quite fair. You know what? You know what's super surprising to me, and like, I often find myself in these situations where, like, I guess I have too much faith in humanity, or I expect too much because, like, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm the bar. Most people are going to be a little more crazy and 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 loose and fast with the rules than I am, and some people are going to be a little more conservative and and, and uptight than I am. I'm never going to be the, the the hitting the rails on on one extreme or the next. So I, I expect like. The, the at least the average person to be on par or slightly smarter than me and for whatever reason i'm always let down it, 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 it's, <laughs> it seems like nobody comprehends what a slippery slope is anymore like oh it's, it's fun to cancel and, and 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 go after the sex predator but then that turns into mr potato head pretty quick and then mr potato head turns in into dr seuss pretty quick and 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 round and round we go and and if you're canceling this then how are the things that are on equal or par to that? How are those things skating by? Or because now it just seems like we're picking and choosing whatever like somebody decided to be outraged about today and caught a little bit of social traction with it. Well, can I butt in here on this one? You mentioned that Peter said something, and Chris, you said something that I want to elaborate on. Number one, the cancel culture is two-sided. It's politically two-sided. There are conservatives that are outraged at certain things, and there are liberals that are outraged at certain things. So far, I have not seen a crossover. And I'll give you two examples. The first one was Dr. Seuss, which you mentioned a little while ago, Chris. That one got canceled by the left-wing woke mob because they did not like some of the racist caricatures in the book that was written in the 1940s, which in those days, it was okay to have cartoons of Chinese people with bamboo hats running down the street with a rice bowl and chopsticks. They didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Now we look at that and kind of go, uh, maybe not. Okay. The other one was that movies that came out on the movie that came out on Netflix called cuties. Yes. <laughs> okay. That one wreaked havoc in the conservative side. But I didn't hear a lot of people on the liberal side criticizing that film because, why? I don't know. They didn't think that there was anything wrong with it. The director of that film, I read an interview, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember her name, but she's a Muslim woman. I believe she's from England. I believe she's of UK nationality. Um, but she was actually, the whole film, the whole point of the film was to denounce the exploitation of children and the sexualizing of children, which apparently happens in the Muslim community. This is what she was trying to portray. However, in portraying it, the film sexualized young girls in the portrayal. So people got upset about it. Now, I haven't seen the film. I don't know how bad they, it is. They didn't do themselves any favors with the title and the promotional material. They like kind of leaned right. into that and asked for, the, asked for the headache. 
Okay, so you've got cancel culture. The point here, I know that was long-winded. The point is that cancel culture is on both sides. And my question is, who gets to decide who cancels whom? See, here, here's... Here, here's what I think it is, and I want I want to hear Peter's answer on this too. But my my biggest thing is people need something to do online, and everybody spends so much time online now. They all want to be part of the, the the next cool fad, the the next thing that's going viral, the next buzz. So it's it, it's literally is digital lynch mobs going around, and somebody finding something to be outraged about. Usually they they intentionally misinterpret something so they can they can get as much people on, and and then. Everybody comes on and piles onto that, and, and it catches ground. The next day, we got to find something new to get that juice back, to get that energy back. So the, the, everyone that saw person B or person A get a bunch of attention because they were the first one to retweet. They found something from the past to get somebody on. Now somebody else goes digging deeper. They got to find something because they want that that same attention and attraction. To me, this is, and, and I'm going to veer off into the, into the, the QAnon range here. This is where the, the whole QAnon thing jumped the shark as well because it was the same dynamic on the extreme opposite side. So while all these people are looking for something to be outraged and, and shut something down for, all these other people are trying to, to, who can have their mind the most expanded and connect the most absurd dots that have nothing to do with anything. And then it went from looking for truth and crowdsourcing information to get the, to the most intellectual position possible on something to who could make the, the most dumbest things connect together so everyone else will pat them on the back and say good job good job and it, 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 they're all chasing that rush they're all, all chasing that fix of i want today's attention of of what's happening peter chris i think i think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head there's there's a brilliant comedian who is an american man called bo burnham who said He's he's not he's quite close to my age. I think he's 26, 27 now. He said that the problem with social media is it is it gives everybody the chance to be both a performer and the audience member, and it gives them the potential to engage within within the mess within the matter of a couple of minutes, declare pointless shit that nobody gives a fuck about, but also at the same time be able to react to everybody else doing the same thing. And what that creates is when we're talking about cancel culture, when we're talking about what's true, when we're talking about what's right, is controversy and conflict is what gets pushed to the forefront online. And and it creates this dangerous environment where truth and what's right gets lost in the noise and, and, and the anger and the frustration of people. And I sit here and, and I listen to your points and I and I, I just I always go back to the same point of thinking, if we're gonna cancel or get fucking frustrated about anything, surely it should be the transnational corporations not paying their fucking taxes. Surely it should be the bigger <laughs> fucking scale. Like, you know, Johnny Funny Depp we can never Amber. get on the same page about those things though. You no, know, I it's don't. like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard might be beating the fuck out of each other, but seriously there's bigger fucking things going on. And if we're going to get frustrated and angry about things, let's get angry about the things which could actually create real impactful change as opposed to this sort of distraction and bullshit sideshow, which as long as me, Chris and Douglas sit here talking about the latest celebrity gossip and whether we should cancel Chris D'Elia or whoever it is, God forbid we actually talk about the real fucking issues going on. And to me, that's where the whole cancel culture sort of falls down a bit, because it's like it's all well and good for my generation to be air quotations woke. 
But if we're really that aware to what are the overarching issues here, let's address it at its core as opposed to sitting on the periphery and debating about whether, well, Kim Kardashian posted a photoshopped picture, so maybe that's unacceptable or not. It doesn't really seem relevant for me. Everybody well, wants to shake. Everybody wants to shake babies and and wake people up, but nobody wants to stick around for the next day when the baby's crying and has no idea how to how to handle and consume this type of knowledge and and, sl- and again the slippery slope. The other problem is that the the world perceived through social media is not indeed the real world, and I hate to break it to people who absolutely on their phone. But the problem is that the cancel culture initiative starts from there. It doesn't start by something that people observe in person. It always starts with something that happened on social media or the internet. Yeah, but I think more and more you're seeing it start spilling over into the real world and small towns. Like, see that—that that to me is where the most conflict happens because you got small towns where people just want to like mind their own fucking business and go about their day, and then you've got like a small population of of the whole small town's already a small population, but within that small population, you have an even smaller po- population of people who feel connected to the, the, the rest of the world and all that through social media. And they want to make a difference in their hometown. And, and then they start trying to impose all of this wokeness on, on their hometown. And that's creating a whole lot of, of, of small town, main street America. Uh, I don't know if the same thing's happening over in England, but that's where the, the skirmishes and the frictions are all happening now is, is, is in these small towns where you've got a few people that are trying to speak out and, and, and say their piece, and everybody wants to shut them down because you're bringing all that stuff around here. We yeah. go ahead, Peter. We forget that these celebrities and and people, which in our culture and our society are held to an impossible standard, are simply individuals who have been given opportunities that thousands, if not millions, of others have hoped for and not been given. They are operated and pushed by labels or corporations with their own agendas and for, for me the the cancel culture falls down because we we totally forget that it is all for an there's an end goal in all of this and the end goal generally speaking is profit of some kind and so as great as it is for hundreds of people getting together and saying this is unacceptable we refuse to support this person because they've done this action what they fail to see is the controversy and and the revenue this is actually generating just by you talking about it is actually totally contradictory to the very point of why you're frustrated and upset with this person and the actions they have taken. Um, I, I struggle to totally get on board with it. Like I said at the very start, I think if somebody has done something totally unacceptable when it is proven to be wrong, then for sure, don't support that person. Don't give them your time or your business. However, beyond that, searching around, sitting online, waiting for people to to fail of the standards you hold, which you probably don't live by yourself, doesn't really add up in reality. Douglas, like he said, the reality and the online world are two different things. I think in the future, they will probably merge to 
something more similar to one another. But at the moment, at least, it's almost like a fourth dimension we live through. I see friends take pictures when they're outside because how could they miss such a beautiful moment? They can't just experience it. They have to capture it so that they can share the visual experience with somebody else. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a strange, it's a strange layer of reality which people are living through. And I think yeah. cancel culture is the products of that desperation which people feel. Back in my day, stupid ideas used to fail on their own merit. (laughs) You brought up something very funny, Peter, that uh, this idea that people cannot experience a sunset without sharing it on Facebook. I just think that's hysterical. You see these pictures all the time. These people take. Here's here's another issue. Let's 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 veer off a little bit. When Facebook first started in the early 2000s, most of the time people just posted pictures of their cat or their dog or you know themselves on their honeymoon in hawaii or something like that it was very innocuous it was very benign this last presidential election in the united states facebook and twitter were directly responsible for controlling the outcome of the election by their censorship of one side of the political argument. Now, that's a long way to come from people posting pictures of cats sitting on a toilet. And (laughs) I guess my question is, if we are going to have cancel culture, shouldn't somebody be monitoring that? Who monitors the the monitors? The power that the, that the, well, it's the same thing, like I'm going to go back to Teddy Roosevelt when he busted up the, the railroad trusts and the steel trust and the banking trust because combined, they had more money than the American government did at the time. And they said, well, we can't have that. So he busted them up. I am absolutely all for busting up the social media conglomerates because I think it is getting too powerful. And I think people are abusing the power. That's one well, of the reasons cancel has been allowed to prevail. They're, they're, hide, they're hiding behind legalities. I mean, either... The, the the 230 legality either be a publisher and um, a, a acknowledge you're censoring the stuff or stop acting like you're an open forum and you're not censoring the stuff when everybody knows you're is just just pick a side and be honest about it, it, it it's shady and, and, and sleazy well it absolutely is and unfortunately the the public has handed the power to them by their uses of it and taking it from cat sitting on toilet to fuck trump in the matter of 12 years i absolutely i absolutely think you you've hit the nail on the head there douglas we've got a lyric in one of our upcoming songs on our ep that says i find it funny that we still call this democracy because it's technology and it's learning to breathe and it's not long before it's going to have us on our knees and i feel that i feel that for me where we are at is that the technology is moving at such a pace the average joe on the street has no idea they get home from work they eat their dinner it's a bit shit they get online they see what's posted and then it's either uh i absolutely agree with you or fuck you you're wrong and that that frustration which is generated from just sitting online reading these posts that everybody shares the power that has is 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 really quite something and something which as a society, we've never quite seen before. And like you say, we saw it We saw it pre-Trump with Twitter. We've seen it post-Trump everywhere. 
And I feel it's not going to go away because we're all so dependent on it. And we have to find a new way to interact with each other. Do you know, I'll make it simple by saying never in the history of the world have there been so many different people with so many differentiating opinions. And yet never in the history of the world has there been have we ever been so connected as a species that equation adds up to a lot of conflict and we have to find a way to navigate that and communicate properly whether through debate or reason otherwise we're just fucking shooting at a shit show that's the, yeah. that's the double-edged sword and the love-hate relationship with technology that drives me insane all the time like when when i first heard 2010 2011 oh autonomous cars are coming autonomous cars are coming uh, I, I could have been more more excited and, and thrilled about that and then like it doesn't take long to start perpetuating where that goes how that can be done like if, if you have any kind of little fine or offense they can just hide your auto, autonomous car can just be told to drop you off at the at a prison cell or the jail drop you off at the police station the the ability for it to to, to get freaking hacked and and it, it, Somebody to take over your car. Uh, I'm trying to buy time here to remember Michael Hastings' name. I don't know if, uh, Peter, you, you know who Michael Hastings is. Um, but to me, that was one of the, one of the most eye-opening type of, of, from a storyteller, creator, things that like I've experienced in my life. And it was because I was so fascinated with the autonomous cars. He had one of the newer Mercedes that came out, I think it was. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors that Michael Hastings' car was was the first car to be hacked and and drove into a tree and exploded from the back end. He was a, a reporter for the Rolling Stone um, that had a big government story and back and, and so the story was that 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 the government hacked his his emails and knew that he left his editor a, um, a message saying he was going underground to to get some confirmations on a story at a big story against the government and then on his way home that night somewhere in like south labrea area he veered off the road and crashed into a tree in his own neighborhood going 110 miles an hour and the car exploded and, and he died boom no more story years later it comes out that you know the FBI and and CIA had the ability to hack cars, and they for for years they had that ability. Then then you follow that up with the fact that years later it came out that the government was hacking all sorts of different journalists' cell phones and their voicemails and stuff. But nobody connects the dots back to Michael Hastings and and and, and what happened to that guy, and, and, and it's just a long tangent to get off on. But but all this great things that technology can do. The, the ways it can connect. I can I can have an internet connected to my refrigerator and it can tell me like when I need more groceries and can order from and all of that. It's just another portal that somebody can manipulate and, and use against you. And it, it, it's terrifying how great these things can be for humanity and how quickly they're manipulated. But I want to double back on something and ask you a question, Peter, here. So you've brought it up a couple of times. You brought up the, the, the money side of the cancel culture. You brought up that the, you're a musician and, and, and your lyrics. Um, I've got your, I've got the current affairs thing right above your head right now. My question oh. for you is, is the artist, the, the creator, the songwriter, the entrepreneur, the comedian uh, that you are, how much does cancel culture affect your creation process? Like, are you self-censoring yourself? Ah, oh, people are going to freak out and pissed off about this. Or are you leaning into it and, and getting more like, I want to push the envelope and, and push back against these people. How, how does this whole dynamic affect your creative process these days? I mean, that's a great question. I, I'd say, first of all, technology is but the knife and fork. It is simply a tool of which we used for what means we choose to use it for, you know, 
you can pick up a knife and choose to cut your delicious steak or you can choose it to stab it is it's a tool for your use and technology is the same thing it's what are you using it for it's very much the same when you're creating your art whether it be in writing my next book or or putting out the songs we're about to put out as current affairs cancel culture it doesn't affect the creative process for me if i sat there and and was writing songs or writing lyrics based on what i think oh god could this get me cancelled or not i i just stop because it's not authentic and it's not real good answer a a great friend of mine sean atwood a, a great author said to me when i was writing my first book uh you know change whatever words and change whatever paragraphs you need if you think it has an artistic or beneficial effect for doing so but the second you change a single word in the name of trying not to offend or trying not to upset or trying to please anybody you're no longer an authentic artist you're now a you're you're now you're you're now playing to the crowd and my big my big idol is is david bowie and he's always been a been been somebody who's proudly stood outside of that and said don't play to the crowd and so i i sit here and i'll answer your question by saying the the cancel culture and the fear of the cancel culture has has no effect over the art i make and 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 never will and if if the cancel culture were ever to to shoot their crosshairs at me i would gladly accept that challenge and say you know everything I do is authentic and honest. And I think any artist listening or around the world who is creating art authentically and honestly can't be canceled. You know, they're, they're doing it for, for pure yeah, you reasons. Can't, you, can't, you can't cancel greatness. You, you, you can't cancel honesty. And, you know, greatness would be fantastic if somebody attached that label to what we do. But honest art if 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 you're not making honest art you, there's no point you might as well fucking give up like I, i'd never change a lyric to a song because i think someone might get offended by this i, I sit here and i write the words and i think i'm gonna say what i want to fucking say i'm expressing myself for sure i might change some lines to to make it more relatable or make it more wide reaching but there's there's never a time in in a long form content such as a book or a short form content such as a song that I'm going to sit here and say to you now nah, I'm I'm going to make sure nobody gets offended or upset by this because the second you do that the second you stop being authentic you might as well just stop so like I say to answer your question no none of none of the art I make now or for the future will ever be tweaked for outside opinion I make the art I put it out and I go back to Bowie he said when he released an album in the 1990s in his sort of post career almost they said what are you worried people might not receive this concept album as well he said some people will love it some people will hate it most people will never know it existed and i think <laughs> do you know what if david bowie doesn't give a fuck what people think i'm probably not in a position to do so myself so i i go from there great answer the, yeah great answer one of the things that cancel culture i'm glad it has not affected your writing or your uh, you're not policing yourself when you're writing your your music. But one place where it is hit bad, and I have interviewed several people on this topic, was stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. I interviewed a guy named Ted Balaker who did a documentary film called Can We Take a Joke? And it had some pretty famous comedians in it. Um, Adam Carolla was in it, Lisa Lampanelli, uh, Penn Jillette, 
there was a couple others, but there was just an interview style where they were talking about the cancel culture and the woke culture, and particularly on college campuses, how it has affected the abilities of stand-up comics to ply their craft. One person, and I believe it was Lisa Lampanelli, said that she had a conversation with Jerry Seinfeld, who Jerry Seinfeld is probably the most benign comedian out there. He talks about nothing. In fact, the show that they did, Seinfeld, was, what was it, a lot to do about nothing? Well, well they've tried think, to come for her a couple times already. Yeah. And he won't go on college campuses <laughs> because they have deemed him offensive for talking about, I don't know, rotten grapefruits or something just totally ridiculous. So cancel culture has affected stand-up comics to the point where they're just not even going to perform. The irony here is that if you go back to the days, this is one of the references they had in the film, you go back to the days of Lenny Bruce, who was pushing the envelope on the polite society by talking about sex, by using every dirty word he could possibly do. And they, he was arrested several times in a, in a nightclub, in a private club, for obscenity, because they still have these antiquated obscenity laws on the books. But he was always welcome on college campuses to talk as filthy as he wanted to talk about. And he did racial stuff too, but it was not knocking any particular race. It was just making sort of generalizations about everyone. He was welcomed on college campuses. He was adored. That's what made his career was the college kids. Now, they would uh, tar and feather him on college campus. Yeah. The, the, the college campus thing, to me, comes down to the fact there are so many people that are, that are educated, but they're woefully misinformed. And it, it's an absolute threat to everything. And what I want to get your guys' opinion on here next is the part of cancel culture that nobody, nobody talks about, nobody addresses. It, it's, it's the bottom of that slippery slope. And the reason that, like, Freedom of speech is a thing and why it's so important. It's not to protect the guy from saying piss shit and, and, and fuck words and, and, and shady shit and pornography and all this other happy horse shit. It's because the, the second you start narrowing the field of vision for people's thoughts and, and opinions and commentary and debate, that's where all the malfeasance, abuse, corruption, and all that shit hides behind that shield of things you can't talk about. And, and nobody thinks about that shit. It, it, it's not about Trump and the stupid shit he says. It, it's about the fact that if you want transparency and you want openness, people have to be able to say so, say whatever. And if it's stupid, if it's shit, it's going to fail on, on its own merit. But how are you supposed to talk about corruption? How are we even supposed to have, have a, a, a completely ethical and trustworthy election if we can't even talk about the fact that in, in the year 2020, it's unfathomable that an election could be could be stolen or that anybody would do such a thing. This is absurd as, as talking about NFL players that they would never fix a game or point shave. They're out of their minds. The, the, the Democrats would cheat their own candidates and, and fix their own primaries twice in a row to screw Bernie, but they'd never, ever, ever rig a, a, a major election. Now, I'm not saying they did or didn't. But the fact you can't talk, the fact you can't talk about that makes me more suspicious that you did than if you said, fuck you. You believe we fixed the election? Fuck you. But I can't talk about that. I can't say that. We're not going to test that in court. No, any, nothing can be presented. 
that's more suspicious than anything else you could put out there. And and that's my issue with all of this is nobody cares about the consequences and the collateral damages of canceling Mr. Fucking Potato Head. Well, it's the problem with the instant gratification of social media. It doesn't allow people to see the future. It doesn't allow people to see what the consequences of what you put out and, and what you are not allowed to put out. Nobody's looking that far down the road because nobody has a clue. I want to correct something you said. You said people may be educated. They're not being educated. They're being brainwashed. At, at the it's, bo- it's book smart. We, I mean, back in our day, we called it book smart and street smarts. And, yeah. and, and book smarts no, is, is, is a disaster. There's no street smart, but they're also being indoctrinated. I don't see a lot of, a lot of education because education is the idea that you take both sides you present everything and allow somebody to think and formulate their own opinions. When, when opinions are handed out at the door, like your class roster, there's no education. That's just indoctrination. And that's what I see is happening on college campuses in the United States. I don't know about Britain. What's going on in college over there, Peter? Well, we call it university, so I have no right to comment. No, listen, I mean... <laughs> We need we need to be able to, ex- to to accept reality and tolerate difference is is where is where it comes down to me. You know. Yeah, but that's the hypocrisy. Sorry to interrupt. That's the hypocrisy of the woke culture, because they're they're screaming diversity and equity in one breath, and on the and other breath, tolerance for anything. for anything that is dissent or disagreement with them. Well, this is why I don't align myself with such with such belief systems, because, like I say, for me, what, where, where it all comes down to is we need to be able to accept the differences and, and, and accept the reality of which we're living in. In the UK, there's a lot, you know, aside from COVID, which is, you know, I say that in sort of jest because there's a lot which is also going on with COVID, but there's so much happening with police brutality here, which you guys have probably inspired through social media, uh, and, and 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 everything and and everything else, it's it's a crazy time to be living in Britain because there's a real pushback against the establishment with the royal family because of Meghan Markle, also an American. Not putting it all on you guys, but you know there's a trend there, uh, and and for me it 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 all falls back to the same point of. Y- exactly what you said douglas you you can't have it both ways we either need to be willing to have the debate and have the discussion or not at all and for me that discussion needs to be had we can't move forward as a society as a generation as a species until we're willing to talk about the good the bad and the ugly and whether that be trump or Meghan markle or whatever subject you want to put it on the the cancel culture bringing it back to the topic of the of the show is is the same principle is is you can't have it both ways and we need to find a way to be able to have that discussion openly authentically and in a way in which everybody has a seat at the table as opposed to the people we've decided are allowed to have one i you brought up something there in passing that i think all of this kind of has a, a part into but but uh, it just needs to be, be mentioned out there because it drives me nuts the police brutality thing like like I think the biggest thing that, that stops that from being addressed 
is, is that there's two sides to this coin because there's the side that like police should stop beating up black people and there's the other side that the that, that, oh you're making it racial oh well the reality is the police don't give a fuck about your color they, they, if you're a piece of shit and they think you're a piece of shit they're gonna beat the hell out of you and they're thinking they're, they're gonna get away with it and even if you're not a piece of shit, if they decide you are, that, that's the end of it. And there's nothing you can do about it. If I was a cop in this day and age, I, I, I'd shoot a white guy, no questions asked, without even thinking about it. Because no one's going to give a shit. No one's going to care. You, you, you can get away with that all day long. And there's not going to be change in accountability until everybody can get on the same page that it's wrong that the cops freaking shoot first and ask questions later, regardless of who the victim is. Like, we should all be on the same page with that. And we can't get any change because they redirect that conversation to somehow be, be like a, 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 a racial argument now. And, and it, it should be people uh, against the, 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 the occupying force that, like, they've been bullies forever. Like, come on. Everybody knows that the, the police don't serve and protect the population. The police serve and protect the establishment. That's the thin line that, that they're there for. That's why the establishment always freaking protects their own. Like, at the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, we got to vote in politicians that are going to defund the police and hold the police accountable and all this other wonderful stuff. That's fucking great. But who do you think is, like, behind the scenes cleaning up all the dirty laundry of the politicians? The police department, the law enforcement. They got all the, the, the goods on everybody. And, and the politicians are going to be the one to clean these guys up? They, they, they get them in check? They are invincible because there's nobody that can do really anything without us making the situation worse of being screwed. And, 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 and that part just drives me nuts because it, it doesn't have to be anti-cop. It has to be anti-culture. And, and the establishment of it. Like, I know so many cops and individuals that'll tell you firsthand, like, you're out of your mind if you think you're going and, and, and changing the way law enforcement works and you're going to be the, the, the Johnny Good cop that's going to follow the rules. You could shoot up and spit out. And it's not because you don't mean well and you don't intend well, but the, the, the culture is not going to accept that and they're not going to keep you in there and they're going to throw you under the bus. Uh, yeah, it, it, like so many of these issues, whether it's cancel culture, the, the police brutality, all of these things can't get addressed because we can't all unify in agreement that this is just fucking wrong. It, it, the conversation always has to be redirected to some other like diversity war and, and to fraction the group from being on the same page. Like, I'm going to bring up Fred Hampton's name here on this. Um, we, we watched the, uh, the, the, um, the Black Messiah. Um, for Judas and the Black Messiah. And I, I've known about Fred Hampton and all that, but like to see the movie and the story and, and, and really get into the weeds, he wasn't really, they didn't give a fuck and he wasn't a big, big bad threat until he started going around getting all the other races on board. He went and got the, the Hispanics on board. He went and got the white people. And all of a sudden they were all getting along saying this shit's wrong. That's when everything was a problem. And, and when this guy had to be, had to be put down. Uh, so my, my question to turn all this back around on onto you, Peter, and dump it in your lap is <laughs> where where does this where does this end? Because like if you look through history, the 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 conservativeness of humanity and the censorship and all these different things, it, it's gone back and forth in, in, in pendulums and inevitably it gets too far and the artists are usually the ones that, that push back and, and pull it back in the other direction. But I don't know. I, maybe it's because I didn't grow up in the 1930s or whatever, but th but this shit feels different. It, it doesn't feel like it's just going to get pushed back. And I want to know, do you think this is just the pendulum swinging or do you think like it's going to take a war? Is it, is it a renaissance or a war that's coming to swing this pendulum back the other way? Well, 
Chris and Douglas, let me explain to you the, the probable future of our society and species. The problem is we have only ever been ourselves. And if, we, if we'd ever had the chance to be somebody else, we'd probably understand where they're coming from a little bit better. Uh, to answer your question, I feel like cancel culture, police brutality, it all comes back to the same thing. And although the issues are different, the solution is the same. And without sounding like uh, uh, repeating myself is what I, I, I find myself saying the same fucking thing on every show or every podcast I ever do. It's that you as the individual, whether it be one of you two or myself or, or any listener listening now, the solution is the same. And it's that you have the fucking control over your life and you have the power, despite everything going on, to decide what you engage with, what you allow into your reality and what you choose to accept as the narrative of your story. Yeah, and. Yeah, yeah the the power that that holds when you truly get it you know it sounds fucking fancy to say on a fucking radio show and that's great but you do have the power to decide what you let in and i think you're both examples of that and i'd like to say that i'm an example of that too of when people get together on a local levelized level you know look at us you could look at us free and and label us in as many different ways as you want whether it be age or interest or whatever else but the fact that for me now at 3:02 a.m we're sitting on a radio show talking about these subjects that's never been possible so it's fucking scary and as as intimidating as intimidating as it is that we've never had to face this sort of technological revolutionary orwellian sort of crazy censorship time there's also never been such a, a way to connect and and grouped together with like-minded individuals. And so for right. me, I sit, I sit here and answer your question and say, do you know what? I believe that if we can, as individuals, decide to take the power back over our own life and take ownership over our own censorship and what we allow into our own stories, that we can find like-minded individuals and through that find like-minded communities. And maybe, just maybe make something quite special and quite unique and something quite worth living for as opposed to sitting there every day going oh fucking hell apple's got more powerful 99 percent of people own iphones and everything's fucked and everything's bad and trump's probably going to get re-elected and everything's not worth even bothering with no i, I like to sit here and think do you know what for, for all the shit there's also a lot of good going on and to to finish my rant that I believe in people and I believe that through the technologies and the life we are given at this moment in time and this moment in society, we, we can we can create something special if we are alert enough and if we decide to take action and do so. My, uh, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Douglas. I was just going to say that you said something about pendulum and my opinion about that is that we're in uncharted territory at this point. This, we have never had the power given to the people as social media has been given. Before social media, it was the journalists. Before then, it was the newspapers. And it was radio first. Radio was the all-powerful medium, then television. Movies came in at uh, the point where radio came in, basically. But it was much easier with radio because it went into everyone's home. 
movies, you still had to go to the theater to see whatever it was. But it was still a powerful propaganda tool. With social media, you've put the power of the propaganda machine into the hands of the people. Mm. Now, is that good or is that bad? Double-edged sword, I think. It can be good, depending on... I'll go back to Peter's wonderful analogy of the steak knife. You could use it to, to carve your steak and have a wonderful, lovely meal, or you can stab your neighbor in the eye with it. At least it evens so, a playing field. It does even the playing field, but it also handed everyone a loaded gun. Now, are you going to shoot everybody who disagrees with you, or are you going to keep it locked away in case of an intruder, like a good gun owner would? So that's, I think, what we're trying to work our way through as a society right now, is how do we use and not abuse this power? I wish you could see me, Douglas, because I'm nodding my head to this brilliant answer. I absolutely agree. I think we are absolutely in uncharted territory and, and never, as I said before, as a society or as a species, have we ha ever had to deal as an individual and within families and within local communities with this right. amount of power and this amount of influence. Yeah. I feel the optimist in me says we can find a way to navigate these these rough seas. There's also the reality of a lot of us fucking won't and a lot of us will suffer the consequence i i i would not even bet i would say it's a guarantee that in 20 years time people of my generation will be diagnosed with an addiction to social media how past generations were diagnosed with addictions to cigarettes it's 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 a crazy environment uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i'm gonna I'm going to take a, a little wander here to, to, to connect something that I think is attributing to all of this. I think the commercialization of, of art has reached a tipping point where it's oversaturated the value of art. And, and what I mean by that is storytelling to me is one of the most powerful weapons and tools if we're using the steak knife, knife analogy again in, in the entire world. Like the, the, the ability to change and manipulate and and i don't even mean manipulate in a bad way but just to give somebody a, a different and alternate experience directly into their soul that they would never otherwise have and and experience is to me the most truest form and, and and powerfulness of art like when i was growing up i never it took me a while to realize i wanted to be a filmmaker because i was too fucking lost in the stories like i watched robin hood prince of thieves 30 times in a row and i didn't think i want to go make a freaking great movie like this i thought i want to get every kid in the neighborhood to start building freaking forts in the trees and bridges and shit like like uh -huh. I, I i lived the life of robin hood and got everybody else in the neighborhood to do it that was what i loved about movies and stuff you you get to an experience another life an, another world another person's uh, sufferings or pain i don't know it just like to me, that's like the core of empathy, and and what art can give people is is those experiences of other people. And I think art has become such a distraction for people. People don't watch a movie or story anymore. They got it on the background where they're fumbling through their TV and all of this and that. So they're not consuming these life life lessons in, in a way like I did, where where like that art had your undivided attention, and you walked away from that thinking about some shit. Like I, I, I don't know, like. I, I don't know. I, that, that, just, I, I just feel like the 
the ability for art to, to give people empathy is not as effective and potent as it used to be. And I feel like that is reaching a point in our society where it's contributing to all of these problems and the, the, the lack of empathy between one side and the other, the inability for people to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. Like, that's the whole fucking point of watching a movie about a person that doesn't look like you. It yes. is to, to experience and see a different world and through somebody else's eyes. That's what storytelling is. That's what movies are. Uh, I don't there know, is, I can, there is so much, there, there is so much distraction. There is so much noise in an age of endless choice. What do you choose? We don't log on to Netflix and scroll through the millions and millions of little perfect subgenre episodes which we would find we go of what is trending in the uk or the us and we click on number one or two or three oh. and, and, and we watch that because how can we ever as simple little hairless monkeys in shoes decide what the <laughs> fuck we're meant to engage with in, in this endless age but what are we but the stories that we hold ourselves to what are we but the man and what man and the masculine means to us? What are we but the Democrat or the liberal? These stories define us and dictate our actions in everyday life. My biggest lesson to people to, to share and give is taking ownership of that story. Like you did, Chris, when you would watch Robin Hood and you would say, I'm going to be a fucking archer. I could see myself living out in that community. Yeah, fuck, OK, maybe not. We're living in fucking, you know, straw houses. But the principle, the core concept is the same. That life of freedom, that life of I'm not going to fucking listen to you because you've told me this is what it has to be. I'm going to live my life on my terms and do what I want to do. That story, that art type holds prevalent and you and you're a fucking living example of it you know and whether one person or a million people see that it doesn't change from the fact that you are doing that and as individuals all we can do is adopt these stories and find our own narratives and try our best to live by them it's not fucking easy because we've got mcdonald's and apple and facebook bombarding us from every angle saying no you're a fucking little consumer and that's all you are and that's all you've been raised to be. And as long as you do that and as long as you buy stuff and as long as we make profit, that's all that fucking matters. Within that, there's a space which we can say, maybe, just maybe, we can kick back. And it sounds idealistic and it sounds naive because I'm 22 years old. I appreciate all of that. However, there's a real power in taking a step back and saying, this is your narrative. This is your story. And through these archetypes, and through these all these different medias, whether it be film or music, art is a beautiful, powerful tool, and it can come from many other sources as well. But those moments where you connect to something beyond yourself, beyond I'm the fucking centre of the universe, perhaps there's more going on. In that brief moment, we can touch something more special, and whether it be a great fucking phone call and an interview with the three of us or a, a like-minded community getting together and starting a charitable cause or whatever it is, there's space and there's time to do something special. And for me, going back to the overarching point, fuck cancel culture. Let's spend our time and, and the life we have creating things like that because surely that's the only thing that holds prevalence and relevance in, in the long run, in the overarching picture. You are, are so lucky to not just be aware of all of this, but like actually believe and understand it at such an early age. 
it, it took me till 30 to, to wake the fuck up and realize that I didn't have to listen to everybody else's bullshit of what I'm supposed <laughs> to be, that I, that I could take control of my life and, and do something. And it was the first time I felt like I was, I was going upstream instead of fighting against it the entire time. So dude, freaking embrace your youth and embrace your wisdom to go with that youth. Cause it's a rare combination and, and the sky is the absolute fucking limit. So That's like, Piggybacking off of that, tell us more about like what you got going on with the art, the, the the book, the band. Where can we find all this shit? I gotta say before Peter, before you start, I got you guys both beat. I was forty three before I got my shit together. <laughs> Just be happy you did, man. Like, yeah. uh, well, that that's it, man. People get to seventy, people fucking die without ever without ever reconnecting. I, I I've met people. I've met a 60-year-old woman called Jojo Miracle Patience, shout out to you, who taught me a yoga class and managed to lift me up on her fucking, like, hands. Crazy yoga shit, which people would think is crazy. Uh, And she was 65 years old. You know, I've met 13-year-olds who are fucking in that same headspace and hope to never lose it. To answer your question, Chris, it... For for me, where we're at artistically is is I'm releasing my second book. It's gonna be it's gonna be a practical guide, hopefully for people similar to my age. But also, I've realised everybody's a bit fucked up, so it kind of you know cross transfers for anybody uh, who feels that way. To to grab a hold of your narrative and and try to write your own story. The music we're making, it's all under this era. At the minute, we're releasing our first EP. Moving forward, it's going to go into an album called The Concept of Culture, and what that means is basically. Who are we as individuals and how does that all group together as why the fuck do we act like we do as a, as a society? There's a, there's a great lyric in our first song we ever put out called Love and Other Drugs, which sort of relates back to cancel culture, which says there's, there's nothing sexy about your intellect unless you post half dressed on the Internet. And it's probably my favorite lyric we've got so far, because it basically says in all of this, you know, positive culture of let's push positive messages and let, let's really get behind people who are doing their own shit it doesn't fucking matter we only care about the things which are are sexy in front of our eyes so yeah that uh it, it's all leading to an album called the concept of culture which is as a as a, as a collective piece of art basically saying why are we like how we are and maybe potentially and it links back to the same message which is in the book but you know we won't share it with everybody yet maybe just by taking a step out as us three as individuals have done we can create our own path and we can create our own thing and and maybe that's enough for us maybe we can dedicate our time and our life to doing something worthwhile not because it generates likes not because it makes the cancel mob get on our backs but simply because we can sit here and say well, it's better than fucking doing what I was doing before. And I'm trying my best, man. And hopefully through compassion and integrity, I'm helping somebody along the way. And that's sort of where all the art ends up. So that's put you on the spot, but when's this book going to be available? The book should be available in about six months' time. The problem, Chris, is after you wrote the fucking thing, is getting it published. And uh, yeah. they, they like to take both percentages and your soul in the process. So it's battling that. Oh. The uh, well, what? We'll have a talk uh, another day. I'm I'm building a solution to that problem for all of us. Fantastic. I, I would love to hear that. I mean, the EP will be available in about a month's time. Uh, that'll be every fucking where, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever you listen to music, it will be there. Uh, I will find my way to creep into your life. 
Uh, and that's current <laughs> affairs and just the EP is called Love and Other Drugs. And yeah, the, the EP is basically looking at my generation's attitude to love and uh, how we've kind of got lost a bit along the way. It's more about a self-love and a need for some sort of desperation for connection as opposed to real authentic something beyond that. Man, you, you must be on your third or fourth life as far as spiritual because <laughs> you are you are you are woken up and and the real kind of woke where you're you're thinking about shit, not just like getting outraged about shit. Um, congratulations, man! Everything you've co- accomplished so far already, everything you've got in the pipeline, and really just for fucking having your head on your shoulders, man. It it it, it it's always nice to talk to somebody uh, that just freaking isn't afraid to look at things from every, every different perception there is and and go with what they see I'll drink it's, to that. It, it's a nice way to spend our time you know i've been told by some of my crazy fucking spiritual friends if you're listening that i'm a i'm a light worker or i'm a star walker and i think that's all well and good but you know i go back to the same point of i just sit here and i think the alternative is you don't experience this thing. The alternative is you don't stay up till quarter past three on a fucking Thursday and, and speak to really cool people who, despite all the different labels, are on the exact same wavelength. The alternative is you don't do it. So you might as well, in your life, give yourself the permission to experience these things and, and venture out into new unknown territories because once you're there, you never know. You might actually find something quite worth sticking with. And no shitty internet's going to stop us. No, even if I'm just simply a pixelated JPEG picture on your screen with my half pouty trying to look cool face, I will deliver this truth to you. I've, I've, I've definitely been getting lost in your eyes, staring, staring at it here. <laughs> that blank stare, I'm watching you forever. <laughs> well, Peter, thanks so much for coming on, and thank you again for uh, getting up. For, or Did you take a nap this afternoon, I hope? I took a long, nice nap, and I ate a fried chicken dinner, and now I'm here. Well, that's great. I think on that note, Chris, you got anything else you want to do? or Bring us in for a landing. Okay. Well, thank you to to Peter, Peter Abrams. And uh, quickly, Peter, what was the name, the title of your book that I fell in love with, the first one you wrote? So the first book is called Our Story Called Life. It sounds poetic. Not that one. The one you wrote about the... Oh, yes. Anti-self-help. He doesn't care about that one. The the other one. Douglas Douglas loves anti-self-help, exposing the well-being industry for what it is. Yeah. All those fake snake oil salesmen and charlatans telling you that they can connect you with your inner spirituality. Yes. This this, this crystal... this crystal for eighty dollars will give you enlightenment. I promise. Yeah, you. That's one. I love that. Peter, one. I love that. Peter, not to not to do a barrel roll here on on Douglas's landing, but have you ever done ayahuasca? I have not. It is something I am I'm hoping to do in the future, probably in a controlled environment with good people around me, so I don't go fucking mental. Uh, it's at the I top believe- of my list too. But we we got to find a hut sometime. Chris, let's go together, man. I don't even I know do- what it is. Real, real quick on a side story. I, I so we've done all sorts of odd jobs on the on the side to to, to maintain chasing the dream. And at one point, did the, did the Uber stuff and all that. And I had a passenger. I was taking him to the airport. And somehow we got we got talking down the rabbit hole of shit and that. And we got onto ayahuasca. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'd love to try it sometime. And he's like, 
um, I, I know a shawarma or whatever they are. They, they do it in like Malibu and like the, the, the super rich uh, areas and all that. He's like, Here, here's a, a, an email address. Tell them that, the, that, that you want to do ayahuasca and, and that you know me. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I, I emailed them and this was like, like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And they got back to me right away, and they're like, oh, our next ayahuasca session is this weekend. It's three days, all the food, and, and ayahuasca, this, that. We're all going to be camping in a tent at some big, big estate in Malibu. It's like $750 for the weekend. You got to give a deposit now. And, like, I would have paid any price tag uh, to do ayahuasca one time and experience and, and all of that type of stuff. But, like, I'm a fucking Uber driver, and you gave me, like, a three-day notice <laughs> on a $750 expense. So, like, I'm going to have to skip the first round of ayahuasca here. Hit me up when you come back in six, six months for the next one. So, I, I like, I can't, I, like, I, I can't, like, make this week the weekend's one. Let me know when the next time it comes around is. And they never emailed me again. This was, like, three years ago. Never got invited to another ayahuasca party because I didn't go to the first one. Well, you got to attend when they ask you, otherwise you're fucking out. I forgot <laughs> yep. to almost, I've, I almost forgot to mention, but you reminded me, Chris. Always say yes. Once, once COVID, once COVID lifts and us Brits are allowed back in your side of the world, I will be touring around the US, doing both music and motivational speaking and all sorts, and I'll be going up through pretty much. We counted 28 states, so I'll be going everywhere. So it will be great, and oh. hopefully at some point, Chris, we can get together and end this end this radio show after a lot of enlightened talk by saying, "Yeah, we're going to get fucking off our nut on Ayahuasca." Oh, for <laughs> sure, my friend. Um, I got a couple of other things I want to run by at some point too. So now we're Facebook friends; we can dive into some of that. But I'm 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 in the, in the devil's asshole here in LA, so I'm sure you're passing through here at some point. Oh yes, that is my first stop. We're landing in LAX. <laughs> there you go. I'll pick you up from the airport if you need something rolled and ready Fantastic. to go. Save me the Uber fee. Oh, dude, uh, for sure. I, we, we just got a, a new car. I'll, I'll pick you up all day. Peter, before we wrap this up, give out your website. Yes, so, so you, you can you can you can find me everywhere basically. If you type in Peter Abrams to any of your social medias, I will be there. Uh, if you type in current affairs music on any streaming platform, we will also be there. Uh, and that is basically it in the modern world. Somebody my age, we, we exist everywhere. If you look for us and you type <laughs> in our name, we, you will find us. Thanks so much for coming on and spending time with us. No, Always, appreciate it, man. Time. Especially the hour. I absolutely cannot thank you enough. Oh, 100%. Listen, I, I hope the show takes off. I hope to be a recurring guest. And Douglas, you, you are a phenomenal, phenomenal host in everything you do. And Chris, I think you guys have got a brilliant pairing going on. So I look forward to coming back. I can't promise you the show is going to take off. I absolutely despise marketing. And I'm one of those artists that <laughs> want to, wants the work to speak for itself. So if they don't find it, fuck them. Well, for the 12 of you listening, I hope to see you again. <laughs> Well, now we gotta find somebody to cut up some of these sound bites so we can actually get some stuff out there. <laughs> Take care, Peter. See you later, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.